Welcome to the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. My name is Amanda Fisher, the Cashflow Queen and author of Unscramble Your Numbers. Welcome to episode 16 of the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. Today I'm talking to Adana from Key Accounting and Taxation. And Adana has a name that a surname that I just can't pronounce properly. It's sort of Scovelia something. Adana, welcome to the show. And 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 I feel really embarrassed because I really should know how to pronounce your name, but I just You've got this, there's a lots of um, consonants at the end. So tell me, before I do your proper information introduction, how do you pronounce your name? Well, the proper pronunciation is Oidana Shkovari. So you did it pretty close enough, I would say, for English standards. So I'm happy with your pronunciation this time. <laughs> okay, excellent. Nandana, you and I have known each other for quite a, quite a long time. And uh, Adana has many years of public practice experience as a accountant, tax agent, consultant, and her business is key accounting and taxation. But rather than me do an intro, tell me about yourself, Adana, and, and the business and what you get up to on a normal day-to-day -day basis. Okay, like you said, Amanda, I have about 14 years of public practice experience working as a small business consultant, accountant, and a tax agent. Of this 14, um, past eight years, I've been running my own pra practice called Key Accounting and Taxation, and that's located on Sydney's northern beaches. Um, I specialize in the small business and individual taxation. I also work with the self-managed super funds and their administration. Uh, and the aim is always to help the clients grow their business and increase their profit while making sure that their compliance is up to date. Perfect. Excellent. And and tell me a little bit about the name Key Accounting and Taxation. Is there there's is there a story behind that? Well, it's never easy naming the business. I would like to meet the people that have named their business very easily. It took me a long time um, to to choose the name, to select the name. So I wanted the name that is short, that is easy to remember, but at the same time, I wanted it to be relevant with what I would like to achieve. Um, with the, with the business owners that I'm working with, and that is to open the door to their financial success, hence the key um, in, the, in the name. Clever, like it, love it. <laughs> the key to it, perfect, love it, that's awesome. And you and I share a passion for teaching. So tell me more about that, what you do from a teaching perspective and um, why you got into, into the teaching side of things. Well, um, after finishing TAFE Advanced Diploma in Accounting, I went on to Macquarie, Macquarie University and, uh, and completed their Bachelor of Commerce in Accounting. During that time, I uh, was fortunate enough to have this lovely lady um, 
working as a tutor and doing the the teaching in the revenue law and accounting. So I got myself a position there to do exactly the same while I was actually studying. So since 2009, I've been part of the um, academic staff of the Macquarie University, in particular with the uh, revenue law, which is basically a taxation. I uh, love the mix of working on my own um, and being locked up in the office every day, then going out to university and helping out these uh, new generations understand um, the taxation and how it applies to everyday life. Um, so that was giving me a very good mix of the different environments uh, in my working week, basically. So few people do that they they once they've done the education it's like yep that's it been there done that from a learning perspective obviously as accountants there's it's never stop in terms of the learning but but then go off into public practice doing their thing with never a thought of of in essence giving back to the you know to the next generation and encouraging the next generations to come through and helping them to learn um and ha- giving them, what I what I get from that is you're also giving them the practical side of it that, you know, often the university side is very, very technical, very, you know, academic, very, you know, legal legislation, this is the law. Um, and it's the implementation of that that often the students don't necessarily see. But if you're helping and them in the in you know in what you're doing then uh, they're getting another side of that which is uh which i think is fantastic love that yeah so that was basically um one of the main reason i enjoyed it because i could see the students embracing the the various examples that i could give them on the actual topic that we we were doing on a particular day um yeah yeah, so the experience from public practice experience basically helped a lot yeah, um, and I'm sure those students are very, very lucky to have you um, helping them in their in their education. And that's a great lead into the topic that I really wanted to talk in depth with you about today. And that is, I know from my years of being in public practice, the one of the biggest bugbears and problems that clients used to come and and grapple with was. Yeah, you know, that that sort of age old question of you're telling me I've profit and I have tax to pay, but yet I've got no money in the bank. And I and they just complete confusion about how you can possibly have a profit but yet let no money in the bank. How do you deal with that when you're exp- having to explain what that means and why that's different and, and what is the difference from your perspective? Right, so this is a very common problem for a lot of business owners out there where they can um, make the money uh, on a profit and loss and we can see that they are profitable as a business. However, the the cash um, or the bank is empty. So it is important to understand that both the the net profit as well as the cash flow are crucial for long-term business success. However, they are the two different measures uh, for the business and the, the business owners need to understand the difference between them. So when we're looking at the net profit, we need to understand that that is basically a difference between the income that they make from their sales and the expenses that basically they incur running the business. On the other hand, 
the cash flow represents the money that they actually receive from their sales or by other operations of the business. It could be from investing or financing or anything else. And also the money that is coming out. So there can be a difference. And which one of those two are more important? It depends on on each individual business situation. So to give you an example, I've looked at two scenarios. So we have one business can be... uh, profitable each month however there is no money in the bank so after <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah sorry <laughs> i shouldn't laugh but it's so true isn't it it happens it so much unfortunately yeah it is. but you need to find out where is the where did the money go and it's often that for example um the money can be tied up in accounts receivable so what it means that is that the business is not very proactive in chasing the debtors or their creditors are very relaxed, um, you know, so they, they need to focus on that area. So in this instance, for this business that is profitable, however, lacks the cash, finding out first of all where that money is going and then basically making the changes and improvements around that area and the cash flow therefore becomes much more important for them because they're already making a profit. Um, so that's one example. The cash can also be tied up in the inventory. We often talk with the clients, what's the level of your inventory? How much do you really need that much uh, on, on hand? Or it can be tied up in the plant and equipment that they're no longer using uh, or not using effectively enough um, or cars. So um, on, on the other hand, we can have a business that, um, has the cash uh, or very limited amount of it. However, it's it's not profitable. So obviously, um, generally speaking, it, the profit will lead to better cash flow. So for that type of business or for that business situation where they are not making profit from month to month, they should be focusing on improving their net profit first because that profit will eventually lead to to, to better cash flow. Um, so to improve the cash flow, businesses can also or business owners can also invest their own money or by putting the money back into the business to get over the rough patch um, or they can borrow. And, and that's something that I think I find sometimes is you – I'm just thinking of someone that I know of at the moment and the business is is not profitable at this stage and it's a question of um, the owner putting money in every month to pay the bills. And, and, and so from a sort of a cash flow perspective, there's money there to pay the bills because the owner's putting the money in, but the business isn't profitable and and that's not a sustainable model, obviously, because how you know how much money do you pour in before you finally say enough's enough? But, um, but you know, at a certain level, the cash there's money in the bank all the time because they're you know chucking a chunk of money in at the beginning of each month to keep it going. Um, so that um, cash um, injection by the owner should be only a short-term strategy, not a long-term correct. strategy. Correct. Um, so they should be looking at, okay, how we can improve our, I- increase or improve our profitability by looking at, can I get more sales? Um, what other services or products can I sell along the line with the existing ones? What are my expenses? Can I reduce any of those expenses uh, to improve the bottom line? And then obviously that will lead to, to better cash flow as well uh, sooner. So yeah, injecting cash all the time is obviously a not long-term strategy. No. No, not at all. And but as you say, there are times when it may be necessary from a short term perspective, uh, and then 
you know, when the cash flow picks back up again, then you can take your money back out again and repay yourself. And, and particularly, I think that's often the case when, you know, the, I don't know, I find that invariably there are, I don't know, two to three, maybe four months of a year for every business that where cash flow is, is, is quiet and tight. And certainly in Australia, that's usually December, January, everybody seems to shut down to go on holidays. And it's always the great excuse, the bookkeeper's on holiday, so I can't pay the bills or the boss is on holiday, so the bills can't get paid. Um, so, you know, cash flow from receiving end can dry up over December, January. And then I find there's often another month or two somewhere in the year, and sometimes it's around Easter Anzac Day, um, and sometimes end of financial year, the cutover between, you know, for us June, July, that often that can be difficult, or maybe it's just winter. But there's usually a few months in the year when, when things just kind of go quiet from a cash flow perspective. And so, yeah, as you say, that short-term strategy of putting some funds in to keep it going, because you know the money is coming in, it's just that, you know, people are paying you late for their own reasons um or excuses yeah that's true the the other thing is as well budgeting so in the in the period of a year so if we have a seasonal business in the period of a year when you're doing really well and you're getting all this cash to make sure that you leave some of that cash for those slower months yes uh so it's basically yeah doing the the budgeting uh, and knowing your industry that you are in and knowing whether um, anything is coming up, whether that's, you know, the time of the year, public holidays uh, or different uh, seasons that will affect your income and therefore the cash flow. So you need to basically uh, provide for that by putting yeah. some money aside. Correct. And one of the things I often tell people when they're budgeting is to take your total expenses for the 12 months in terms of what you're expecting to spend and then divide that down over 10 months maybe sometimes nine months as you say depending on seasonal on on the business maybe even less and go okay that's the minimum amount you need to be making for that for the normal nine and ten months of the year that everything is going well because that will cover you for the couple of months when things are tight because you've got the cash flow already in um it's kind of a you know t touching then on the break even obviously um but that's the way i often look at it and say okay well yeah let's put aside some money every month to know because you know those couple of months are going to be quiet let's put money in aside in a in a savings account um for for sort of rainy day money so to speak that is available then for you that you can pull back in when you need it in those months or two when things are, are quiet um now that's a, a an important part of of it and i and i think that's the bit that you know the, the cash flow and the profit they're so intertwined in terms of you know that whole interlinking between the two of them that you can't look at one without the other that's correct so they 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 do affect each other and they are linked with each other uh, but they're two different measures. So you really mm -hmm. need to understand the two, um, how, what are they, how you can actually find out what your position is with the net profit as well, also at the cash flow position uh, and whether it's a positive or negative and therefore this determine 
where where the problem is coming from so you can address that area yeah and i remember having a client at one point and i was trying really hard to you know to improve their knowledge and understanding of the numbers and this particular business owner ran his business by the balance that was in his bank account if there was money in the bank account things were good if money if the balance of his bank account started to go down then you know then he started to kind of worry about what was going on and yet the balance in his bank account bore no relation well i mean it was related to but it was quite wildly different to his actual profit situation um and i try as i might he just didn't want to know um luckily for him he normally had a pretty good cash flow so it, it wasn't an issue but it was i just kept looking and thinking you know you could do so much better if you addressed and looked at he had he had big money in accounts receivable he had quite a bit owing in accounts payable um obviously the taxes as well gst uh, PAYG withholding on wages he had the everything else going on but he only looked at how much money was in his bank account so that's uh, what yeah. often business people do they just look at their bank and and to see um you know how much money do they have and uh, based on that they determine whether the business is doing well or not uh, but like like we um just said is that you need to look at all the ratios and not just that mm. profit and the cash flow there are other things that the business owners should be looking at but um you yeah, know the the interrelation between the net profit and the cash flow it's really important um mm. so obviously they do affect each other um yeah so they they, sh they there should be at least a little bit of understanding of um these two yeah exactly and that and that then leads me into you know in australia we've got these rules and and look this is not tax advice and a you know, big disclaimer for anyone listening that you know we're not providing advice this is just general information and you should seek your own professional advice before you do anything but you know in australia we now have the capability or we've had it for a while now the ability to lodge tax returns based on a cash basis as opposed to an accruals basis and perhaps we need to have a bit of an explanation on the difference of those um and perhaps that's where we start is what's the difference between the two and then from there we can talk about well why would you use one or the other right so yes we do have two accounting methods um, available to us so one is accrual basis and the other one is the cash basis so the accrual basically means that you are recognizing the income and expenses at the point when the tr transaction actually happened so um, and that would normally be an invoice date for example so this is irrelevant of the fact whether you have actually received the money for the sale that you've made or paid the money for the expenses that you received the invoice for on the other hand, uh, the cash basis um, allows us to recognize the income and the expenses at the point when money has been received or money paid for those expenses. So the difference, right. what it means is that basically one business can show um, a financial statements or the profit or loss in the financial statements, which, are, which should be prepared on a cruel basis, completely different um, net profit 
to what we have in the in the actual tax return as taxable income if we are to use the cash basis accounting. So the the how do we choose the right method and which one will be accepted by the tax office is up to the accountants to decide. So there are some guidelines that I would like to touch on now, um, which would help basically um, business owners to to look at their accounts and the tax return and compare and see whether there is any difference or could they be saving money on tax um, basically by changing the the method of um, taxable income calculation. So some of the guidance is basically looking at the size of the business. So larger, mm-hmm. larger the business, it's more likely that they have employees and that they have the capital equipment that will help them generate the income. Smaller the business means that they, you know, they don't have the employees, they don't have those capital investments to generate the income. So for the larger businesses, accrual basis is more appropriate, while for the smaller businesses would be actually cash basis more appropriate. Um, the other indicators would be looking at whether you are using circulating capital such as inventory to generate the income. If that's the case, again, accrual basis is more appropriate. Um, any other capital items such as plant and equipment that is used in the business, again, accrual basis is more appropriate. Whether the business gives a credit terms to their creditors. So uh, if they are freely giving those credit terms to creditors, let's say 30 days or even up to 90 days, um, which is very rare these days. But if you do give a credit terms, that means that you are more, uh, that for you more appropriate is a cruel basis. So normally right. to sum it up, um, it, it is uh, the small business that doesn't rely on other employees to make the money for them where we don't have so much of the plant and equipment invested that generates the income. And normally the credit terms are cash on delivery are the businesses that would use the cash basis. So, so businesses like, um, like coffee shops and hairdressers and um, I guess motor mechanics, that kind of thing where it's, you know, yeah, as you say, cash at time of sale, whether it's cash or it's a credit card, it's still effectively cash at time of sale, isn't it? That's right. So for them, for all of them, uh, the cash basis should definitely be um, considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you an example of one client that yeah. I've had, and it was probably one of the biggest cases where by changing the uh, calculation uh, method or, or accounting method for taxable income has saved them or postponed paying tax on the money that they haven't received. And it, it, it made such a big difference. They, they were actually at the point where the ATO was about to make them bankrupt. They had the garnishing orders on their bank accounts and all of that. And all of that was uh, because the accountant only um, used the accrual basis. That particular business um, went through um, very um, steep um, growth. So basically yeah. they just grew in a short period of time a lot um, and they didn't have the um, the back-end admin staff or the owner himself didn't have enough time to chase the debtor. So for him it was priority to get the work done and to invoice but not really to chase that money. So all of those sales were sitting in accounts receivable and obviously when we when we're making the sales it goes sales and accounts receivable on the other side but if you haven't received the cash 
and you are expected to pay the, the tax on, on, on those sales and on the profit that you are making on a cruel base. How are you going to do that if you haven't received the cash? So for this particular client, I um, um, did a, like a table of comparison of what would be situation across the last three or four years, because that's the review period for the, I should mention that as well for a businesses is four years review since okay. the date you've lodged your tax return. Um, smaller business, smaller uh, taxpayers are two years. So like individual taxpayers, they can only amend their past tax returns up to two years from the date of their notice of assessment. Mm -hmm. um, so in this case, it was four years. So I looked at the last four years, changed it from accrual to, to cash basis. It literally meant that the tax office at the end owed them money. Wow. It almost wiped out, you know, not almost, but it wiped out all of the debts and they were able at that point to basically get back on track um, with, with the cash and continue on on a cash basis and also allowed them to then focus on that need to have um, the admin support staff that will chase the debtors and that will be consistent with that so that improves in the long run. Um, so that was um, one big case that I had basically with uh, just by changing the accounting method. But what a wonderful example of how something is as seemingly simple as changing the the method of accounting from a tax for a tax per perspective how that's got a, can have a massive difference on the amount of tax liability the business may have and if the circumstances are right and, and you're eligible and it makes sense then uh what a wonderful what a wonderful result for for to go from potential bankruptcy to obviously you know minimizing reducing the tax to almost nothing as you say and then having the ability then for the business to to keep going and thrive and get those accounts receivable paid in and recovered and and pay the tax when you weren't when you actually get the money in the bank and i think you know that's part of the struggle people get with this is you know why am i paying tax on money i haven't got yet um and, you know, there's that whole mindset around, yeah, but I haven't been paid yet. So why should I pay tax on something I haven't got? Which That is correct. You shouldn't be. <laughs> which is true, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just also add to, to this is that the business owners should also know that they can, um, you know, start and change the accounting method from a year to year. Obviously, the adjustments will need to be done. Uh, now, what is important from the tax office perspective is that whatever method you choose, it's the one that actually gives the true reflection of your income. Uh, so right. the commissioner does not have the power to basically say, no, I'm not going to accept that as long as you select the method that gives a true reflection of your income. If, if you are twisting those um, uh, from one to another just to avoid tax or something like that, obviously that's not right. But as the business grows, obviously everyone starts small and as the business grows, um, you know, when you're small, you use the cash basis. Eventually when you are big enough, obviously you can then go on to you the accrual. Swap basis. across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's, it, it is okay. It can be, it can be done. It is allowed. Right. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's a great uh, explanation of of what the difference is and the and how m making a change can make a make a massive impact. Fantastic! Thank you so much for that, Adana. And we're just getting towards the end of of this uh, podcast, and I'll just 
have a few questions for you. I, I do ask these of all my interviewees. So first question for you is if you were to recommend to my listeners one business book that's had a big, big impact on you, what would that be? Oh, Amanda, I told you to remove this question because we had a big laugh about it. My favorite book is The Master Tax Guide. And <laughs> I don't know if we can recommend this to business owners. I think they would hate me forever. Um, yeah. Oh, I <laughs> love that, it. That, that is true. That is my favorite book. Oh, it that's like a big maze that you're trying to work out things through. Oh, that that is so awesome. You're, you're obviously a, a tax nerd through and through. If uh, if that's your favourite book, but I love that, and and certainly from years and years of using that as my business bible, so to speak, hopefully not offending anyone by using that. Um, it was certainly the big reference book that uh, did make our lives a lot easier, although it's still complicated. And uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it, it is complicated, and I should say as well when when um, I would talk to my students on uni, um, you know, I just tell them if you if you can't fall asleep in the evening, just grab your textbook. <laughs> I'm sure it will, make, it will make you fall asleep very soon. True, true. Yes. So we won't necessarily recommend other people to to read that, but it's uh, it certainly is a, a a very important book for you, obviously. And I and I absolutely get it. I, I just think that's funny. That's what's great. Um, so my next one, uh, perhaps we can find something that is a little bit of use for, for our listeners is what's your favorite business app? Why? And how do you use it? All right. Um, so one of the, my favorite apps is zero and I'm I, without a doubt, everyone, um, that is working in a public practice these days, um, like yourself and myself uh, would be a fan of zero, but there is another one I want to talk to you about um, today. And over the years, I've had this problem with um, business clients that keep um, delaying or not listening when I ask them, you need, to, or when I tell them, um, you need to keep a logbook for your car so we can substantiate oh. the deduction. And so it's just so hard. They just never do it and, and and when i tell them you need to document every trip for 12 weeks and then mark it uh, see how many kilometers you've done and then mark which trip is portion is private which one is business and then so we can work out the percentage some of them start but they never finish and so on and so on so i've basically looked at the apps because the app seems to be the, the, the future. That's where we all um, going to. It's technology that's available there. So I found this great app that basically can start recording the trip as soon as your phone is connected to your Bluetooth in the car. Um, it can, you can set it up. Wow. I know. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you walk into the car and you don't even think about, okay, starting to record the trip. It actually does it for you. So it's called Trip Logbook. I'm sure there are other ones that people use, but I find this one uh, uh, to be really user-friendly. And the settings that you can have in there, it basically allows as little work or, or uh, action from you uh, to, to basically mark the trip as business or a private. So a lot of things can be automated and it's all there. So it is, yeah, one that I do recommend for all the people that have um, cars or use them in the business or even for work. I mean, you know, everyone uh, that claims the car expenses using a logbook method should have one. Um, so this is a great little app. 
Fantastic. So it's Trip Logbook. Is that the right name? Yes, that is correct. Perfect. So what? For, so for our listeners, we will put the details of that in the show notes. Uh, but that sounds fantastic. You know, I've just got to tell us about uh, logbooks and cars. And it was a long time ago, a long time ago. But I had a client that they were real estate agents and they were subject to an a fringe benefits tax audit by the ATO and yeah they hadn't kept their log books and but they were subject to the audit and part of the audit was they needed to produce them so they scurried around <coughs> went and um bought log books from the stationery shop or news agent I can't remember where they got them from madly filled them in as though they'd filled them in a few years prior and present and presented these to the, the auditor from the tax office. And the big problem was, though, they came massively unstuck because the, the ATO at that time, and I'm sure they still do, they knew exactly what logbooks were published and when. And so the ones that they had used were not available three years prior when they purported to have completed them and they got in a a lot of trouble. So not only was the problem um, that they hadn't kept the logbook, which is bad enough in the first place, but they'd exacerbated the problem by trying to backdate and backfill in some record uh, and fell flat on their faces with it and uh, yeah got the book slammed at them and so they should and um, it was not I was, I was in a partnership at the time it was one of my partner's clients who actually wasn't one of mine um, but obviously I knew the story but you know the logbook if you don't have it you just come unstuck so this app sounds absolutely brilliant I I haven't heard of it hadn't even thought to look at Look for it. So there are a few. There are a few. It's one. It's just a matter of finding the one for clients. I guess this is the one that I've downloaded for myself mm. um, that I can test and then obviously recommend to the clients. But there are a few. If you if you search in your uh, app store, um, you know, the, for Android or uh, iPhones, um, yeah, there, there are a few. There. It's just a matter of finding the one that suits the the biz. I I, I thought that this one is up bloody amazing to be honest <laughs> and what yeah and what what a brilliant way of getting around that whole having something on the passenger seat remembering to you know grab it when you get in the car write the kilometers down and then and the date and then remember when you stop to do this oh it's uh yeah and, i mean and, and the one thing that we're not gonna leave behind is our phone <laughs> I uh, know. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, and and that's right. It's always with us, and so it's with us in the car, and it's with us when we get when we stop again. So yeah, fantastic. Whoever thought up with doing that, awesome, fantastic, love that. Thank you so much. And and now my final question. It's almost my final question. What's the one piece of advice you'd give to my listeners to help them with their cash flow? All right. So it seems that. Today we've already talked about the cash flow. I think my one piece of advice to to any business client would be to perform the cash flow analysis and to basically know and find out where their money is coming from and where is it going to, because that's going to help them to develop the um, the plan to improve the cash flow by knowing okay where is it leaking? Does it have to go there? 
and so on. So that would be one one piece of um, advice for any business owner that I can give today. Yeah, and I think you know we talked just briefly before we started this recording this about you know one of the things that you need to be careful on in that is you know, how much money you're actually taking out of the business and whether that is actually what's causing you issues with your cash flow and making sure that that's within the realms of what's um, possible, possible, appropriate for for your for your income. It is the owners' drawings is a big issue these days. Um, um, it seems that the owners, because they have the access to the bank accounts, whenever they need money for their private expenses, they just kind of go and take it out. Um, obviously, that can have a big impact on the future of the business, as well as complicate the accounting and taxation uh, things, which I'm not going to go into now. But um, yeah. it can have, you know, the overdrawn loan accounts, and and then there are consequences yes. of that. Um, in its right. But from a cash flow perspective, yeah, um, making sure you're not drawing out more than more than is available from a cash perspective to make making sure you've got enough money to pay the bills that the business needs to pay, whatever those whatever those bills are, tax liabilities, etc., and not drawing out more than that. Thank you so much, Adana, for being on the show. I really appreciate your input. It's been fantastic. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any and go to amandafisher.com.au for more training. Thank you for listening to the Seeing Through the Numbers podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get notifications of upcoming episodes so that you don't miss any. Looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.